Okay, so uh, if you're visiting and you just happen to show up, we are doing something a little different tonight uh, for the evening of the Easter service. Um, I ask basically a lot of our leaders, I say, who do you think would be good to hear from about what the resurrection means to them? And, and from those lists, I, you know, you start seeing some repeat names pop up and you think, okay, these people are, are folks that have, are getting to know people and it, they feel like they'd be really good for them to share. So we have 12 people sharing tonight. And, uh, and I'm lay out the, how this works. Um, I've asked them all to share from three to five minutes on what the resurrection means to them. So uh, we do have a timer up there to help you out <laughs> so that you can realize, go, oh no. Um, if you start, go past five, it starts flashing, blinking red. That doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't mean we're going to come get you. That means we just turn up the heat on the stage. So... <laughs> It gets hot up here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but if it, do be respectful of that. You know, if you're coming up and sharing, that way we get to hear from everybody tonight, and and everybody gets a chance to really not feel like they're crunched for time. So, okay, all right, let's pray. Lord, we give you this evening. Thank you for, Lord, our brothers and sisters. We are so blessed that you have done a work in all of our lives. So. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us, Lord. Comfort us through the testimonies of how you have worked in the lives of others. We pray in Jesus' name. And we pray for all those individuals, Lord. Encourage their hearts that if they're nervous or maybe a little, a little nervous and frightened, Lord, that uh, they just know that you've set them apart for this purpose tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the first person who's going to come share with us about what the resurrection means to them is going to be Mike Christopher. So come on up, Mike. That is bright. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Christopher. Uh, we've been, my wife and I, for about three years now. So, Will asked, and so here I am. <sighs> Nervousness. So, I drafted like three drafts of what I was going to say, and my wife's like, no, just give your testimony. I'm like, yeah, I am. But anyway. So, it's, it, it's kind of weird, too, because uh, I'm a college professor, so I'm like, I have to deal with a thesis. I'm like, everything's got to be perfect. And I'm like, no, just be free. I'm like, yeah. So, anyway. <sighs> um... What does resurrection mean to me? It means new life. Literally. It means new life. About 25 years ago, the Lord met me and gave me his life. I don't know how else to say it. I was lost in sin, full of insecurity, self-righteousness, judging others all the time. Thought I was perfect and so good, yet knew in my heart I was so bad. A hypocrite of hypocrites is who I was. And yet the Lord reached down and said, I love you, I want you. I have never experienced anything like who the Lord Jesus is. He is the one I love and the one who loves me. There is nothing greater than the love of the Lord. That's all I know how to say. I was one of the most wicked people you could ever meet on this earth. Doing things in secret, no one would know treacherous things, things I can't even mention. As a kid in the 90s, graduating high school in 92, my life was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I thought that's where hope lied, and I realized at almost 26 years old, my hope was built on sand. There is no foundation with sand. And the Lord, who is the rock, gave me someone to stand upon, and that is him. I just, I don't know what to say. It's Jesus, Jesus, all for Jesus. Truly, all that I am and hope to be. 
Truly, this man loved me and gave his life for me. I thank him for all that I am. I thank him through all the sufferings I've been through. I thank him for who he is, that he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is more than I can conceive. He does things that don't make sense to me, but he is always right. He is always true. He is the life who has given himself for me and all of you. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is my king. Jesus is the one for all of us. And I praise him and love him because he first loved me. And that's essentially it. Praise the Lord. All right, our next person who's going to come share is going to be Meredith. So let's welcome Meredith up. Okay. I wrote down my notes, so I'm, I went very there. I'm a teacher as well, so I feel the, I feel the stress. I teach students. Um, children. So speaking in front of adults is a little different. But my name is Meredith Cook, and my husband and I got married in September, and I started coming here when we started dating alternating churches. But I am 32 years old, and I am a professional dancer and educator. From the age of five, my life has been consumed by the art of dance and has evolved into pouring that art into my students. Part of being a teacher a dance teacher, is also choreographing. And we spend our lives orchestrating pieces that move, or precise moves, centered on the elements of grace, precision, and exactness through choreography. Why? We have one goal in mind, to create a masterpiece. This goal can only be executed through our students' obedience, willingness to grow, learn, and receive direction. The one who creates the order of their students' steps, direction, and pathways molds and transitions their students to a work of art on display for the world to see. When choreography is set on dancers, their main goal is to seek approval from their choreographer. When mistakes are made, the choreographer always steps in to redirect. The late Oswald Chambers once said, it is not a lack of spiritual experience that leads to failure, but a lack of working to keep our eyes focused and on the right goal. Paul was like a performer. He gave no thought to audience approval, but oh, if he could only catch the look of approval from his choreographer. In 2 Timothy 2.15, the very last epistle that Paul wrote, he urges us, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully, rightly dividing the word of truth. Approved to God, because the opposite may result in our rejection from further service to him and for him. When we discern where the goal leads, we then understand why it is so necessary to keep looking unto Jesus. So what does the resurrection mean to me? The master choreographer loves me so much 
that he sent his son to die for my sins. And despite my humanness, when I make mistakes and come to him in repentance, he is kind and loving enough to redirect my steps to help me look like the masterpiece he created me to be. So on this resurrection day, I urge you to examine yourself before God to see if your life is measuring up to the standards that he has for you as well. Our next person to share is going to be Jessica. So let's welcome Jessica. All right, so to me, the resurrection of Jesus symbolizes my new life in Christ. And because I have a new life in Christ, I know I have the assurance of salvation. But I'm also reminded during this week of my family members who do not yet know Christ. My mother is Israeli and my father is British, so I grew up with both Judaism and Catholicism, but only in the sense that we would celebrate the holidays of both religions. We never went deeper than that. My parents were both very loving. I had a fantastic childhood, but they never had any discussions with me or my sister about God or the Bible or the benefit of applying God's word to our lives. And I'm the kind of person that tends to analyze everything. So looking back on my life now, I see a lot of missed opportunities that I had for applying the wisdom of God. And I can see how much I would have benefited from being in God's word and truly knowing Jesus earlier. Back in October of this past year, I had a medical setback that really put me through a lot physically and emotionally. I was having anxiety attacks over it, and at the time I didn't even realize it because I had never experienced that before. I tend to be a very private person, especially when it comes to hardships in my life. But there was one night at Bible study that prayer requests were welcomed, and I felt a very strong push to speak up, which is very far outside my comfort zone, but I did, and I made a request for prayer. And I wish I could tell you that God provided an obvious answer for me, that it's something I've overcome, but I'm still learning to give up control and listen to how the Lord is guiding me. What I can tell you is that having to go through this has given me an opportunity to go deeper with God. I have carved out more time to dedicate to studying the Bible, which I may not have done so otherwise. God and I walk together daily, sometimes a few steps, sometimes more. But on days when it's really hard, being in his word carries me. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't be with me if not for the resurrection. I'm extremely thankful to my husband that my husband led us to this church. My relatives and my close friends all live far away. So finding that community and that support system here has been a real blessing. Being able to fellowship with other believers is a big part of what I was missing in my life, and you guys are really starting to feel like family. So what, is the what does the resurrection mean to me? It means hope. It means having a family in the body of Christ. It means never being alone in my suffering. Paul said in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us.
So I will remain steadfast and will continue to praise and seek the Lord in everything. Thank you. Amen, amen. Our next person is going to share is going to be Michael Ramirez. We have three Michaels tonight. So. All righty. Oh, I usually don't write notes. I usually just wing it. But I've also just worked on this last night and today. So I was like, I can't just memorize all this, so let's just see how this goes. Um, but for me, I've had like a few different versions of this uh, written down of what I'd be sharing, uh, what the resurrection means to me. But a lot of it felt like just rambling or looking for objectively like the correct answer or what the resurrection meant to me in the past. I also shouldn't have run here. I'm like gasping now. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm too used to it running around back there, so, um, but for me, I was just, it's not about what resurrection meant to me in the past years or anything like that, it's what matters today. That's why I was asked to do it this year and not previous years. That's, at least that's what I'm assuming the Lord is trying to do. So, with that being the case, uh, just kind of getting straight to the point, um, the death of Jesus on the cross and his uh, resurrection are not something that I've always held an appreciation or adoration towards like I feel like I should. It's something that growing up in the church and just going to church all the time and just knowing everything from since growing up feels like it's something I've grown to be too comfortable with in a sense and don't make it as big of a deal as I really should. I'll say things like I'm thankful for Jesus for dying for my sins and making a way for me Yet that very same day, I can be complaining about the things that happen in my life that I disagree with, and I can be doubting his goodness and his love towards me. And that's the same goodness and love that died on the cross for me, not because he wanted to die on the cross, but because he wanted to have a relationship with me, and to have a relationship with me required to die on the cross. So it's also easy for me to believe that God can do these good things, that he loves those things, because I have usually very very good confidence when telling others and encouraging others that God's going to be with them through their situation, that he wants good things uh, for them, and that we're going to see it happen, and having that legitimate faith, pointing towards scripture where it sees necessary. Uh, yet I find myself, when I'm alone with the Lord and at low points, I can doubt that he can do those same things for me, even though I can believe that he can do those same things for other people. Um, and because of that doubt... I've often told Jesus numerous times just to come back because I don't want to wait for him any longer. And I don't say that in the sense of like hating life or having like ill thoughts towards yourself or anything like that. I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful for the Lord and the life that he's given me. But I know that a life with him is so much better in heaven and eternity with him. And it's better than anything I could even think of or dream of on the earth here. So that's what Christ's resurrection has always meant to me, is a future with Christ. That his resurrection allowed me to be resurrected myself. But again, I've always approached this in the eyes of a future resurrection. And that can grow tiring, 
because it's not just the future, but it's also the present that we're resurrected in as well. Uh, we'll talk this morning regarding the road to Emmaus and Jesus joining the two disciples in a walk and hearing their perspective on Christ's situation. And Jesus is kind of just straight up telling them that uh, they're, they're foolish and have slow hearts uh, to believe kind of connected with me in the sense that his word has many blessings and reasons for us to have joy in today as well. Yet I'm having a slow heart to believe in those things and to trust those things as well. Just as kind of the disciples at that time were down in the dumps because Christ just died and they were really relying on him, but they didn't have the full story. Just like how I can be kind of down in the dumps on what's currently going on right now, I don't know the full story. And Jesus is just like, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay because I'm not just working for you in anything. I'm, I'm not just working things in the future, but I'm also working things in the present as well in your life. Jesus doesn't just say things like asking you to receive that your joy may be full or do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things for us to not believe that. He says that for us to believe it. And those are just a couple examples of many things Jesus did say to us for us to believe in that. And so, as I'm going to the final seconds, this Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday weekend definitely reminded me that Jesus has uh, resurrected me for the present to be okay with him also in the present. So while I do still long for Jesus to come back to be with him in heaven forever and ever, because that's, I'm sure, what we're all waiting for, uh, I'm also going to find joy with him in the present of today because he has great things to do today. He's still alive today. It doesn't change anything. So uh, to summarize, not just am I resurrected in the future that I long for, but also in the present of today. Our next person who's going to share is going to be Karis. So let's welcome Karis. It is bright up here. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Uh, so I was asked to uh, say, what does the resurrection mean to me? And I didn't know how to start writing it until literally did this last minute, um, a friend told me, um, well, if someone came up to you and asked what the resurrection meant to you, um, what would you say? So I figured I'd give my testimony. So um, what does the resurrection mean to me? It means instead of living in condemnation, I have hope that my sins are forgiven, and I now have an identity and purpose in Christ. So a little backstory. Um, I was born in Nigeria. Um, I grew up without my parents. Um, they had come here uh, to make a better life for my sister and I. My sister and I were in Africa with our grandparents. And uh, at a very young age, I knew I was missing something, which was a fatherly and motherly love. So I tried to get it. Um, I thought that if I worked the best I could, that my aunts and uncles and my grandparents would be able to love me the way I ought to have been loved. And it wasn't that. <laughs> I didn't get it. So years later, I, I was in America, and I was looking in the mirror, and I just hated what I saw. I hated who I, who I saw in the mirror because I, we grew up in church. 
our grandparents took us to church every Sunday. We uh, went to Sunday school. I could sing all the songs and, and say all the memory verse, but I never had a relationship with God because I was holding God to human standards. And I thought, okay, if I just fix myself, then I would be worthy enough to stand in the presence of a just and holy God. And it didn't take long to realize it's kind of impossible to do that. So um, I just, I, lo I looked in the mirror and I said, um, I'm sorry, God, but I think you're going to have to find someone else to do what you've created me for because I, I can't do it. And literally that same um, night at 3 a.m., I just, I woke up and I heard John 3. And of course, the first memory verse we learn is John 3. 16, for God so loved the world. And I was like, I understand. I know. That was the first thing I memorized. So why are you bringing it up? And then I went to John 3, 17. And it said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, uh, but in order that the world through him might be saved. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I am living in condemnation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, Romans 8. And then I was like, okay. Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ is interceding for me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, I, I got it. So, which brings me to my next point, that it gives me a purpose and identity. Because Jesus' death and resurrection is a representation of God's love for us, it means that I, the mess I am, can boldly approach God um, because the veil was torn and I can talk to him as a father and a friend. That means I don't need to go anywhere else to find out who I am. I, I know who I am. I am loved. I am chosen. I am forgiven and I am redeemed. And I have a purpose that I am just not an evolution or biological accident that the world tells me I am. I know who I am and I was created for his glory, and that is my purpose. So, this resurrection, let's take time to remember that we no longer live in condemnation, and we have someone that is interceding for us, and not only that, we have a purpose and identity in Christ. So thank you. All right, praise the Lord. Our next person who's gonna share is going to be Isaiah. Let's welcome Isaiah. Uh, thank you, Pastor Will and all the leaders who uh, let me have this opportunity to speak. And uh, so I was wondering throughout the week and last week, what I was going to share uh, about what the resurrection means to me. And a lot of things came up, but I couldn't really stick with one, and I didn't know if that's what the Lord wanted me to say. So I'm going through all my ideas, and last night I was just, I really had enough. I was in my room, I prayed to God asking why so much stuff was happening. I had a ton of thoughts running through my mind and just everything was just pretty crazy. And so 
I just ask God the same question over and over again. Why? Why me? And because uh, every sin, every, every battle that I'm fighting against with the devil, I was just losing so much. And I was wondering why I was losing. And I had a feeling it had to do with the fact that I had nothing I was fighting for. And I was asking God, why, just why? And so after like asking him for the thousandth time, I said, why am I? And I, I, he stopped me right there. He said five words. It's because I love you. And after that, I just, I couldn't ask why. And it's, and the fact that Jesus would come into this world to die on a cross for me after I just doubted him so much. But I know that now whatever happens, that Jesus loves me and nothing is going to stop me now. And every giant and mountain that I face, that Jesus loves me. And even if I fall, that he's always there to pick me up. And I love him too for that. Thank you. A great night. All right, we're halfway done. Our next person who's going to share is going to be John Teasley. Hey, guys. Yeah, Isaiah, I was struggling with the, kind of the same thing. Um, so much in my head just jumbling around in there. So uh, Friday night, I just got on the tablet and just uh, take my fingers and I just wrote some things down. So um, for, those, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John Teasley. <clears throat> I want to start by saying how grateful I am for this opportunity to be able to stand up here and profess my love for Jesus. When Pastor Will asked me if I would be willing to do this, at first I was pretty nervous because I've always struggled to stand in front of groups of people. But as the week went on, those nerves began to melt away and turn to excitement because I began to realize that I've never really been outspoken about how I feel uh, about him and the sacrifice he made for me. And I want people to know, not only the people that are close to me, but everyone. Um, those who know a bit of my story knows my life before Jesus was a complete mess. I'm a recovering addict of almost six years. Uh, it took me a long time to admit that but through God's grace and his patience, I began to listen. He loved me in my darkest. I realized all my sin and all my wickedness could be washed away simply by accepting him into my heart and repenting my sins. What a promise. I mean, come on, why would there be any other option? Without that promise, the only option was death. I mean that quite literally. My dad called me Friday and informed me 
that a friend of my brother we all grew up with had overdosed from fentanyl, causing brain damage, forcing doctors to put her on life support. I was on that very same path. Um, could have been me. So it breaks my heart that it's touched so many lives. Some people I went to school with, some close, others just nod in the hallway, are dead because of it. I'm sure it has touched the lives of a lot of people in here. Uh, it is quite the miracle I'm standing here today. <clears throat> Although addiction is powerful and can only impact lives in a negative way, I'm staying, standing here today to say that Jesus can only impact lives in the most positive way. Jesus was that miracle for me. It is said that we deserve God's judgment and we deserve death, and rightfully so. But Jesus died on that cross in place of that judgment to give us a chance at everlasting life. To me, that is the greatest news I've ever heard. And it is also encouraging to me that Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says that I can do all things in Christ, which, which strengthens me. Because um, I have come to learn that I am weak without him. That weakness is a daily struggle for me. So I must wake up every morning ready to march into battle, put on that full armor of God so, my, so I may be equipped to overcome what the enemy so desperately tries to use to defeat me. I can overcome temptation. I can beat the sins of, the sins of flesh. I can stand against and I encourage everyone to do the same because the enemy does not discriminate. When asked what the resurrection means to me, the one word that comes to mind is chance. The chance to be born again, that we may come to know him and have eternal life. The chance to teach our kids about him and the joy that follows when they accept him as their savior. And especially the chance to be able to just profess our love and teach about what he can do in our lives. We must pick up that cross every day and carry it with him together so we may all walk beside him in his kingdom. Thank you. Amen, amen. Our next person who's going to share is going to be Raquel. So let's welcome Raquel up. Praise the Lord Jesus. Um, I'm Raquel Christopher. Michael is my husband. <laughs> and you look very beautiful from here. Praise the Lord. Um, well, I was um, born and raised in a Christian family, not like my husband. I was so lost, you know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's a Christian home back in Puerto Rico, a beautiful island that you should visit at some point. Um, but you know what? I, I was just in desperate need of a savior as well. Um, so at a very early age in my life, I, I met Jesus as my savior. I will never forget that um, beautiful day. Um, I don't know uh, if yeah, the people that have born and raised in, in church um, happen to have this um, experience to that. For us, that we have been so used to the singings, uh, you know, the songs and the and the singing and the word, and you know, at some point in our life, we become like, oh, I know it all. You know, I'm I'm so 
sure of my salvation and who I am in the Lord, and then life happens, and you crash, and then you realize that there was an aspect of God, of, of something about the Lord that you never knew, and that you are still in need of a Savior every day. So I praise the Lord Jesus because... Um, uh, he has made me to understand that every day that I need him. So um, uh, resurrection for me, uh, more you know, is salvation. Of course, of um, he died for me. He, you know, sin has no power over me anymore. I'm not subject to sin. It's not my my savior. It's not my my Lord. Christ is my Lord. Um, he has forgiven my sins, you know, all these actions and all these things, even when I fail, maybe on a daily basis, he is my savior. But there are three things also that um, resurrection um, uh, really um, means for me a, a lot, and those are the three things that I would like to share with you tonight. Um, the first um, thing, and, and English is my second language, if I say something weird, my husband will raise his hand and he will try to correct me. So anyway, so I hope that my English is good enough so I can uh, um, share with you what I'm, I'm trying to say. Um, the first thing that um, resurrection means for me is that um, I can trust God. It's a truth. I know. If, I mean, if he uh, defeated death, what else there is to, to be defeated? He defeated death. That's it. So um, if, he, if he did that, I can trust everything that he said, who he is, the promises that he has made, everything that, co that comes from his mouth is truth. So I can't have that in my life. He is the truth. So a um, couple of uh, verses. Um, Matthew 28, 20, um, he said that he's going to be with me to the end of age. I can trust that. Um, he said that he will give me eternal life, John eleven twenty five. I can trust that. Um, and he said that he will come back. Oh, I can trust that. And I'm waiting for him to come back. I'm expecting for him to come back. Um, he's saying in Revelation chapter 22, 12, I'm coming quickly. You know, I know that it, it looks like uh, he has, you know, taken all this time. No, he's saying, I'm coming quickly. His time is different from ours. The second thing that a resurrection um, means for me is hope. You know, and not hope, the definition of the world, which is a with, um, wishful thinking. You know, I, I hope, but I'm not sure. No, it's the certainty that death has no claim on me. And I love the songs that we sang tonight. Many of them talking about this reality, you know, there's hope, there, there's more than just this life. It, it's actually life is going to start to its uh, fullness when we have no, no, uh, not this body anymore. So I, 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 I love that aspect of the resurrection. There's, there's hope, there's, there's something beyond and even more than what we just see and we just feel with this body. Um, death has been defeated, Revelation um, one seventeen. Um, I am more uh, than uh, more than overcomer in Christ. Romans eight thirty seven. Death is going to be destroyed. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. And my place is with Christ. Ephesians chapter two and Romans chapter six verse five. All those things brings hope to my life. Praise the Lord Jesus for that. And the third thing. Uh, uh, this sounds like a lecture. <laughs> I was telling my husband, just give your testimony. And I'm lecturing everybody here. But anyways, um, 
the, the third thing that, um, and this is very personal, especially this past year, and uh, that my dad uh, moved to heaven, uh, is with the Lord, is that um, resurrection is consolation. I mean, if you really want to know what resurrection means, <laughs> just wait, because somebody that you love is going to depart from this world. And that's the moment that you're going to say, oh, Jesus, praise the Lord for the consolation of the resurrection. Praise the Lord, because I know I'm going to see him again. Um, I praise the Lord for that. Um, so Jesus said, um, you know, in John uh, chapter 16, I'm about to finish now. Um, John 16:33, it says, you know, you're going to have troubles in this world. And that is a fact. That is a guarantee. Jesus said that, so it's a guarantee. He said it. Um, but be at peace. I overcome, overcame the world. I have overcome the world. You know, so um, that is consolation to me. He understands me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He understands me. He's a high priest that knows how I feel because he was in my place too. And the last three verses, and with this I'm going to finish, I promise, Revelation 21, um, verses um, 3 to 5, that reads, um, uh, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be them and them will will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, praise the Lord Jesus. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That is resurrection, my brothers and sisters. So if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't have this consolation, this is your night. Allow God to come to your life and accept the love of Jesus because he's doing everything new. Amen. Amen, amen. Don't sweat it if you go just a few bit over. That's okay. So, all right. Who's next? Keziah is going to be next. Let's welcome Keziah. So my name is Kaziah. Um, my sister's name is Karis. Um, so we, I was the sister that was with her in Nigeria when my parents um, left us, not left us purposely, but left us to make a better life here. Um, so at an early age, um, my dad is a pastor, so at an early age, um, God was very real to me. I was the kid that knew the Bible. Like, I memorized the whole book, the old chapter of Psalm 27, and it was so real to me. So when my parents left, um, my whole world changed, and I, was, I knew I was missing something, and I had to grow up quickly because of the environment that we lived in. And throughout my life, when I had, when Pastor Will gave me the chance um, to share what the resurrection meant to me, I 
keep journals of all the trials and temptation that I went through. So I started looking back at them and seeing what can I talk about. And the theme that I kept seeing over and over was like, well, I'm already in this mess, so I might as well make the most of it. And that's how I would always start what I was, <laughs> what I was gonna write about. And in particular, a time in my life where um, I was really trying to discover the love of God, and I was like, are you sure you love me, Lord? Are you really sure that you love me? Because it was just constant, constant battle, constant um, hardship that was just in the way and in family, in school. Like everywhere I turned, there was always something I was battling. And it's, it's cool that in your deepest pain and in your deepest sorrow, that is where God um, that is where you discover the love of God, and that is where you discover how real God is. And I want to take this time to share what I wrote down throughout one of these trials. It says, taking each word apart, love, God is impossible. Without God, there is no love, for God is love. Without love, he would not have come down. Without love, I could not live. Love called and brought me forth. This love is perfect, just perfect. This love doesn't change. This love cannot change. When God loves, he's simply just being himself. God loves with all of him, the Trinity. The Father loves, the Son loves, the Holy Spirit loves. Three is love. I am loved with an everlasting love. Love seeks the highest good for our person. Um, love is the most expensive experience that can never be bought. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, yet it costs you everything, your entire being. So you can't say you love a person and um, you can't say you love a person because of all they do for you, because that love is conditional. So the Almighty who depends on no one, who takes command from no one, instead he commands and does what he pleases, chooses to humble himself and to love me. What love is this? What God is, is this? The Almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, says to me, beloved, God became my father. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the veil is broken. The veil that separated me from my father is broken. The veil that kept me afar from his presence is broken. Because when I enter his presence, I enter into love, not judgment. My sins have been atoned for. What I lost in the garden was fellowship with my maker. That has been restored through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. I am no longer alone. He came and dwelled with me. Take God had the simplicity of his word. All God asks is for us to trust in his love for us. Trust in God's love. God cannot die, but he chose to die for us and deliver us from, from this darkness. And I want to encourage us that all God truly asks is for us to trust in his love. And that is where we find the most peace Imagine God loving you. It cancels all of the if or what if this happens because he's in control of it all. And so that is what the resurrection means to me, that God has unconditionally loved me. All right. Our next person who's going to share is going to be Mallory. 
So let's all welcome Mallory. My name is Mallory, I'm 17 years old, and I've been going to Calvary Chapel for a little over two years. Uh, unlike most of you, I have never attended Calvary for Easter, so when I first heard about these speeches at the baptism by Pastor Will, I had seriously no idea what was, I was in for. Uh, so soon though, word got around of these upcoming speeches, and it became a game of who could avoid the pastor the longest. And I lost. Uh, <laughs> but to be completely honest though, I have... I feel so blessed to have been even asked to give this speech. What an honor it is to come up here and speak to all of you and share what the resurrection really means to me. But when I was really first asked this speech, um, like many people have said up before me, I'm not gonna lie, my first thought was, why me? I wish it was, wow, what's my theme going to be? Or I can't wait to share my testimony. But it really ended up just spiraling into a wave of anxiety and doubt. I mean, why out of all of these amazing followers, of Christ, who have been following the faith for so long, longer than I have, some longer than I've even been alive, um, who have seemed to represent the perfect image of Christ when all I feel is broken. Even if I was like five, ten years later to give this speech, would I then feel enough? It was at this moment of constant doubt of worry throughout my week that Jesus really spoke to me and said, Mallory, with me, you are enough. That's what I think the resurrection is about. Because of Jesus' sacrifice and love for all of us, we never have to worry about trying to prove ourselves to fulfill our salvation. It's impossible. But with Jesus it comes a unique and hopeful relationship. I don't have to pretend or have to be the ultimate Christian in order to receive his love and salvation. Instead, through what Jesus has done for me, I can be inspired to live more like him and want to reflect his image and grow in him every day, here and now. Another part of what the resurrection means to me is not only getting the hope of Jesus in the present, but also for our past and our future. I have done some things in my past I am not proud of, the con consequences of which still haunt me to this day. With Jesus, though, and by him paying the ultimate sacrifice, we can have our slates wiped clean and not have to hold on to those chains anymore. The peace and freedom he brings me when I ask is hard to even comprehend. So instead of feeling shame and regret, I can live a life free from my burden and knowing that God always has my back and loves me no matter what. His love for me and everybody in this room is so insurmountable and never-ending. I feel so blessed to know a love like this, one that many of the people of the world will never get to experience. He knows us and wants what's best, and that is why he even takes care of our future, laying out our lives to glorify him making them the most fulfilling they could ever be. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, it says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call for God of, in Christ Jesus. This verse reminds me it's not my past mistakes that define me, that I have a, but that I have a future with Christ and what I do from now on in him is what really matters. For me, I sometimes can feel like I'm rushing through life, spiraling into thinking of, I have to get this assignment done to feel accomplished, or I still need to do something in every moment to feel not lazy. 
Even with this speech, I found myself still in worry and doubt about how I was going to get all of this finished and sound worthy. This Easter, however, I feel that God is calling me to slow down and really see what he's done, just, not just for my soul, but for the world. He's the creator of everything, from the trees to the birds to even the little crooks in our eyes where tears can fall. Everything he created was made by design, and ever since the beginning throughout history, and even into our future, it serves a purpose not only for us, but for him. Through all of this, the resurrection to me is timeless, affecting our past, present, and future, and I personally cannot wait to see what Jesus has in store for me, and I hope to become like him more every day. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Our next person who's going to share is going to be Javier. So let's welcome Javier. It's, it's Colin from the side. Hello. Let me get my computer on. All right. It's not as bad as I think it'd be. All right, cool. Awesome. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been with Cravery for almost one year with my wife, Brenna. And um, I had a homework assignment this week, which I struggled with. So I asked my wise wife, what does the resurrection mean? And she told me the most perfect answer, redemption. But it's my homework assignment, so. <laughs> and so I compiled some notes here together. And I asked her, what should I talk about? And she said, just go with your testimony. So here it is. When I think of the resurrection, I think of Hebrews chapter 7, 23 to 25. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. My background was in Catholicism. I was raised to believe that there was a God, but I had my doubts. I lived my life not really seeing a need for God, thinking a few Our Fathers, Hail Marys, in a confession booth would save me. And fast forward in my early 30s, I'm early 20s, I found myself in great despair. Uh, I was a girl. She broke up with me, and I was devastated. I went to my room and I sobbed, and after some time I considered how dumb it was that I was crying over a girl. <laughs> but then I thought about the future and all the things that would be inevitable that would warrant sadness. The death of a family member or a freak accident that would cause me to be seriously ill. And all these things I despaired greatly. Life seemed so overwhelming, and I thought, where is God in my life? For the first time, my heart longed to be close to him. So I cried out, God, this life is too much. I surrender, I need you in my life. And immediately, I felt as if a hand came into my heart. He pulled spiritual sludge out, and immediately I rejoiced because of God's mercy that he had for me. He showed me his love by taking away the pain, 
Jesus, my great high priest, drew near to me and saved me. Now, my journey would take me to Texas, where I grew in the Lord. I was very zealous and passionate about him and his word. I drew near to him. I grew in faith and repentance and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, tasting the good things of God in profound new ways. I said in my heart, God, I will never leave you. But the love I once had began to wane because I left my first love. As I relented in my pursuit of God, I became judgmental of others, prideful, arrogant, unloving. I developed panic attacks and agoraphobia. I developed a fear of man, weighed down by people who mocked and criticized me for my faith. So I would end up shutting myself down from God because he did not heal me of the anxiety and because I couldn't bear the reproaches of others. So I stopped drawing near to him and as a result, inwardly, I was like dead man's bones. But God was not done with me yet. While I was faithless, he was faithful, faithfully working on my behalf. His voice was persistently goading me back in those dark times. Jesus would present me an altar call at church to recommit myself to him. Surely the Lord was interceding for me all this time, as I said in my heart on that day that my journey would continue as it started, seeking after God with all my heart. And as I drew near to him, he restored the joy of my salvation. He would also continue to work with me in the healing of my panic attacks. The Lord restored my heart, granting me repentance with a love for him and for others. And I've experienced tremendous degrees of change in my life and in my attitude towards Jesus and others. He blessed me with a lovely wife, Brenna, whose spirit is so precious to me. He has also blessed me with a child to be born, Lord willing, this Wednesday. But my life has been a winding road of many seasons and experiences. But I stand here today as evidence that Jesus is faithful to his word. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Do not harden your hearts in rebellion. So long as the day is called today, which it is, we have an opportunity to draw near with a sincere, contrite heart because we have a resurrected high priest, Jesus Christ, and he lives forever to intercede for those who draw near to him. And he is able to save us to the uttermost. And that's what the resurrection means to me. All right, we've got one more. So let's welcome Michael O'Shea up. <laughs> Hello. Now, when uh, Jessica was called up and I, I was not next, I thought, he forgot. And then uh, Mike was called up, and then a couple of people later, his wife was, and I'm like, oh, I'm still up. <laughs> All right, well, I've, I've had um, some difficult times in, in my life, some disappointments, old guilt, sh- shameful things that I've done to my past, and I've been morally uh, embarrassed in front of my friends, family, and strangers, 
And there are, are events that I would love to change, and uh, even interactions that I've had with my wife where I know I was not leading us down the right path that we should have been on. Then um, I'm sure that uh, in many of these ways I've got something in common with almost everyone in this room. It almost makes us like family. But then there was a time when my sins were forgiven and I was made justified in Christ and the Holy Spirit had enough love to stay with me and to give me strength, to give me the assurance that I will be ushered in to eternity with love rather than eternity without love. Again, I imagine that in these ways I've got something in common with all of you here again. I suppose that would make us even more like family, at the very least, almost uh, brothers in Christ. Now I know that the blessings of the resurrection has brought for us that the resurrection has brought for us is more than enough. Uh, there's something more that I would like to mention that I'm amazed at and personally grateful in my life. Uh, I did not have one moment where I was bottomed out at my worst and I needed things to change, or I, nor did I experience any great tragedy or harsh trauma. The beginning of my walk was more with reluctant research. I had a wife and I had I knew kids that uh, were going to be on my way in, in the future. And I knew that I had to figure out about this question about God that I had been putting off for a long time. And when I did the research into it, I found that with logic and reason, it's all throughout the Bible. And that's, that's really where my journey began, just trying to find out how everything fits together and was it true. And little by little, as I was reading through and, and finding out information, just every topic that you come up with in, in the Bible, the, the prophets, the um, uh, trials that they had to go through and the, the standards that they had to set, and the consequences of death for false prophecies. Uh, tried to keep them on the straight and narrow, and then from there, the prophecies coming true, sometimes centuries later. I doubled a little bit into uh, Psalm 22 recently. And that was, from what I understand, that was almost a thousand years from when that was written to Jesus being crucified. And just the, the parallels there. I mean, everything was just ringing true. And that, for, for me, what mattered to me most was that I was leading my family down the right path and what the right path had to be true. And I found truth in Christ. Now, looking into... Topics like uh, cults I find fascinating because people can lose their lives and livelihoods believing in, in something that does not exist. And I don't think I could ever have been trapped into cults. I like, I like truth too much. I just keep prying. And that is not the case for what I have read in the Bible and, and all, all the uh, apologetics that I've, I've looked into with that. I don't know if it's intentional or if it's God's power or if it's God's power that is just too great to not leave a trail of logic that leads right to him 
what he did. And I noticed and I acknowledged it, and I'm very grateful for that. And all that assurance of the facts that builds up in the faith and builds the trust and provides the growth for that strong hope rooted deep in our chest, aching to be demonstrated in our actions. And that's, um, that's where I am now. Thank you. What a great night. You know, one of the, the most exciting things about this is sometimes the people that come up to share, I don't personally know super well. Sometimes I've not had even a, a very lengthy conversation with them. And then you start hearing them share and you're like, I want to get to know that person better. Like, like they love Jesus. Like, like they're, they're awesome. And, uh, and what a cool thing to, to get to meet your family, to be encouraged and challenged by them. Uh, you know, in your own walk with the Lord. And I want, I want to encourage you, if, you know, somebody shared something tonight and you thought, man, that's, that really spoke to my heart, go tell them. Go tell them. If you maybe, most of you who are probably here tonight, you're probably pretty plugged in, but if you're not, you know, you've got somebody here that probably said something that you could connect with. And I encourage you, the Lord has meaningful friendships that He wants you to seek out uh, here in the body of Christ. And perhaps maybe you met one you didn't know was here tonight. So praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Lord, thanks so much for our awesome brothers and sisters here tonight. And Lord, that's possible because you're an awesome God. We're so grateful, Lord, that you have put us into your church, the body of Christ. Not Calvary Chapel, Orlando, although we're very grateful for this local fellowship, Lord. We are glad that you put us together as a family. As so many people said tonight, you know, that the Lord, you, you did that for them. You gave them a family. So, Lord, we thank you for this family. We thank you, Lord, that it's not just somebody we sit next to or we occupy the space of a room together with, but, Lord, that based on your blood, based on your resurrection, that, Lord, we are connected as well. We're the bride of Christ. Thank you for loving us and purchasing us, Lord. Thank you for the fellowship we have together in you. And thank you for the wonderful testimonies, Lord, of what you've done in their lives. Help us to keep moving forward in our walk with you as well as you're building our testimony too, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.